Welcome to Parallel Leaders. Every week, we come alongside you and focus on eight growth points to address the obstacles holding you back. Not only do you need to grow as a leader, but your team, your systems, your numbers, your finances, the expectations, the facilities, and your culture must grow. If you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or department under the microscope of these eight growth points, you will optimize your effectiveness as a leader. And today's podcast is all about equipping you with the tools and conversations you need to move forward. So let's go. So what we're going to talk about for the next 20 minutes or so is huddles. Huddles. Anybody saying it? Huddles are going to solve all those problems? Uh, I I believe they will. I I do think that uh, by huddle, I mean gathering your, and you you might have different language for this here, uh, gathering your leaders before you do the thing that you're going to do to talk about the thing that you're about to do. So it, it, it's not just slipping into, uh, um, okay, we're going to like just start serving. So it's not like, okay, I'm so glad you're here. Just go and start serving with people. It's, it's actually before that, it's, it's building a culture that forces, we're going to get people to arrive at least 10 minutes early, and we're actually going to have an experience with those people that is about getting them framed up for the thing that we're just about to do. Now, most churches that I've engaged with, um, this area, even if they do it, um, it, it can be improved. And actually just focusing on this one tactic and saying, hey, I want to get better at this piece uh, will increase the effectiveness of your ministry area. All the areas that we just talked about and the problems we talked about, I really do think if we could get people to come and to be there 10 minutes before they normally would be there, and we would craft an experience, which I'm going to talk you through uh, some things that you can do to make that a high kind of impact experience. If we crafted that experience well, uh, the outcome in the rest of our time together would be exponential. It's, there's an interesting leverage point that like us investing in these few minutes ahead of time to do that well, to craft that experience well, ends up paying dividends in uh, their entire experience. Now, the thing that's interesting about huddles, next slide, is there's a bunch of types of teams that do huddles all the time. And, you know, when we think about huddles, we, we often think about, you know, football teams, um, and they, you know, they, my nephew played uh, college football out in, out east um, in Canada, and he was a receiver. Do we have any football people here? I'm getting very close to the edge of what I know about football. Okay, so a couple things here. I don't know much about football, so just forgive me. I apologize. Um, so he was a receiver, and, you know, I was talking to him about, uh, about huddles once, and I said, so what happens in that huddle? Like, what are you, what are you doing there? And he says, well, like, you know, our quarterback, is, he's a receiver, so he, he's like, our quarterback's talking about the plays that we're going to run. And, and you know, I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, you know, I have three patterns that I run. Does this make sense, football people? I have three patterns that I run. And depending on the, cl- the play that we call, uh, I'll end up running those patterns. Now, think about that for a minute. This guy is a college football player, played for five years uh, on a great team, and he has three ways that he runs on the on the field. That's it. Like he's like, I'm going to run this way or that way or this way. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. But this team 
they still have to get everybody together before they're about to do that thing and say, okay, everybody, let's remember this is what we're about to do. This is why we're here. This is what we're uh, about to make happen. But actually, football teams are not the only teams that do this. I don't know if you know this. Do you have any surgeons in the room? Any surgeons in the room? Anybody that is, cuts people up for a living? Okay. So surgeons actually, um, high-performing uh, surgery teams do huddles before every surgery. They pull together uh, in their uh, surgical suite and they talk through, this is about what we're, this is what we're going to do. And everyone gets introduced in the room. They t Did you know this? This is the thing that happens. Hi, my name's Rich. I am their surgeon today. Um, and then every person that's in every position, the anesthetologist, they'll talk about their stuff. And again, I'm not a doctor. Uh, you know, the various nurses and you know, whoever is in the team that's involved that, and they talk through, this is what we're about to do. We're going to cut this person over, and they tell, they say, hey, this is Rich, and he is uh, late 40s, early 50s, has no hair, and has, clearly has issues with that, because that's the second time he's mentioned it today. Uh, and, um, and, you know, this is the thing we're going to take out of his body. This is what we're hoping for. Here are the three things that we're interested in uh, that might, you know, might happen uh, today that we want to think about. And then, and then they, you know, okay, three, two, one, cheer, oh yeah, boom, and then they go and make it happen. But, so they do it. Did you know that astronauts do this all the time? So like, on the International Space Station, before they're about to go and do uh, some sort of complex uh, activity out, you know, outside or inside the International Space Station, they get together. These people have been living in like the size of a shoebox together for their lives. And they've said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to spend a few minutes and talk through what we're about to do. Let's talk about what is about to happen. So Bob's going to go do this. You know, Ernesto's going to go out there. He's going to do that. We're going to talk it through. This is what we're going for. And then, and then three, two, one, yay, we go and do it. Now, so why do I mention this? Because for some reason in our areas at church, those things are incredibly complex and incredibly important. And if they feel like, man, and they're led by some of the smartest people in the world, who are doing uh, activities that are like make a big difference, uh, if they are doing that in their area and they do it routinely, they say they've routine, routinely said, we've got to get together with our people before we do the thing that we're going to do, why would you and I think that we shouldn't do that in our area? Why would we think if, if a, a football player who literally runs on a football field, he's only got three potential ways he's going to run. He can remember those. Like, okay, we're going to run them this. I don't have to get together. Why, why do they decide, hey, it's important for us to talk uh, about this before we go? Or if, and if some of the smartest people in the world, surgeons, are going to get together with their people, and they, they think it's important to connect. One of the things that they do is actually say everybody's name in that circle. If they think that that's an important thing, and, they've, and there's a whole... That's like a whole other conversation. Why is that important to know the people that are, where you're working with? If that group has decided, hey, you know, it's kind of important for us to know the people that we're serving with, you think that if, if they can do it, if they can set the time aside to do that, do you think we can get people to come 10 minutes early to serve in kids' ministry to, like, to, to get to know each other a little bit? Do you think we could do that? Or, you know, that idea of the, you know, International Space Station people. Like, those people, man, they're some of the smartest people in the world, and they've said, you know what, we need to remind each other what we're going to do right now. We need to get together ahead of time to talk that through. That's what we're talking about with a huddle. It's getting your people together before you do the thing that you do uh, so that everyone's super clear on exactly what's about to happen. And so I've got six questions for you that would define, we can go to the next slide, six questions to know if your huddle is a win. So my assumption is 
that you're going to want to do these, that you are like, okay, I, and this functionally, in most churches, what it looks like is you've got to, you've got to ask people to be there earlier, um, which I know already some of you are like, I can't get my people to show up on time. Now you're saying, I want them to come earlier. Um, but that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to convince them, man, this is an amazing experience. Um, and so let's talk about sticking with the uh, start retain, or start, keep retaining rather than recruiting. How do we make that a great experience for people? How do we make it the kind of thing that they'll want to be a part of? And so we've got six questions here we want to go through. And each of these, so I would say if I'm, if I'm in your huddle tomorrow, you're leading, I would say every one of these questions you should be able to answer, and it'll give you a sense of, was that a win? All six of these we have to do every single week, uh, week in, week out, which makes it difficult. Um, but we've got to do one of these. So the first one is, was it fun? Fun is the, uh, the great uh, glue that holds relationships together. Um, and, you know, people should even know we're doing something really serious here at church. Like we're, you know, like what we're talking about has, has eternal consequence. Like, you know, we're tomorrow people are going to come face to face with Jesus and they're going to turn from, you know, death to life. That's like as serious as it comes. Like there are all that other stuff we talked about, football games, surgery, you know, International Space Station, not that, not that, you know, life and death, but life and death. This stuff's life and death, what we're doing. But when people come to our experience, they should, it should be fun. Like, they should walk, they should be like, wow, people, and what do I mean by fun? I mean, people should laugh. Like, it should be like, oh, this is a good thing to be a part of. Let me give you some examples. So, uh, over the years, I would say we talked about our setup teardown crews. Set up teardown crews can be stoic gentlemen, um, um, but people like to have a good time. And so we, you've got to find people in your midst who are like fun generators. They may not be you. Like it, it might be somebody else. And you might, you might already know this person actually as I'm talking. You're like, that person just seems to be like it seems they, whatever they do seems to come off, come off as kind of fun. And so we were, we were trying to turn the volume up on, on this, um, this area. And we were like, okay, what can we do to make those huddles more fun? And so one of our leaders came up with this great idea. They're like, you know what we're going to do this weekend is, because it, um, it was the middle of the winter time, and we were in Ontario, and it was snowing. And you, you're familiar with that here. You have snow here, right? You have lots of snow in the wintertime. It's super cold. Um, and uh, so as that group showed up, this team leader got a friend with a steel drum and uh, had that person playing the steel drum and they were serving, uh, you know, frozen drinks that were, you know, virgin frozen drinks like virgin pina colada and virgin whatever in the middle of the winter time to the, 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 um, that set up teardown crew as they arrived. Now, it's hard not to have fun in that kind of environment. You're like, man, that is so fun. What a goofy, you know, fun kind of thing. Now, it doesn't need to be that. It could be something as simple as like, we're going to play a game at the beginning of what we're doing. What just happened, what you just did with the Red Bull, you could literally take that exact same thing, take that exact same question, run it tomorrow, and you would say, I have to say Dana Carvey. I can't unsee Dana Carvey. You've put that earworm in my head now, and I'm going to, people are say, how was your weekend? I said, well, I went to a church where, where Dana Carvey's now a pastor. I didn't know that. Um, but it's it's looking for how it's fun. People, this fits in that category of if, um, like we have tasks for people to do. People are, are busy in their lives. Um, and I know you know this. You're, you're here on a Saturday when there's other things you could do on a nice uh, June Saturday. They then be here. Uh, but 
it's our job to make sure that they're enjoying their time with us, that this feels like, wow, this was fun. That's a part of that relational thing that we were talking about. Uh, fun uh, is the first one. Was it fun? All right, next one. Was it no more than 10 minutes? Now, you, I'm using 10 minutes because that's just the t time framework that I'm, you know, basing this on. But you should ask your leader type people. You should agree on this together. Do you have a sense of, do you guys do these kind of huddly things now systematically across the way? How long would you, would you think is a reasonable time? Is 10 minutes reasonable or should it be 15, 10, 15, 10, 10 minutes? Okay, that's great. The, the reason why this is important is you do not want to belabor the point. So this is like, if you've ever worked with kids and you're playing a game with kids, you know this, you finish the game when they're enjoying the game. Because if you keep going and they do not enjoy the game, they will torture you. They will pull you on a rack and say, this is terrible. If you try to squeeze all the goodness out of this thing, you, you uh, will not work out well. So the same dynamic uh, applies here. In fact, I would say you want to, if anything, go short. So like if, if, they've, if someone at the church has told you, you know, you should do 10-minute um, huddles, I would say, man, can I try to shoot for this thing to be like seven minutes, eight minutes? You want to get in and get out. You, want to, you, you do not want to go long. And the reason why this is, is because if you belabor the point, you are, uh, and if it goes long and it's like, this gets to the point where it's boring and it's not energetic and it doesn't kind of keep the momentum going, uh, then what'll happen is people in the back of their brain, they know, well, you know, that person, every time they do a huddle, there's about eight minutes of wasted time there. So I'm going to show up eight minutes late every week because I'm just going to take that time back from them. Um, that is why, I'm sorry, friends, and this is, uh, this is like a condemning statement on myself. That is why people show up late to our stuff. They don't show up late to our stuff because they're lazy. They show up late to their stuff because we haven't structured their time in a way that it feels like every one of those minutes is super important. I get a clap for that. That feels depressing to me. I'm like, and so we've got to, like, if we're saying, okay, this thing, huddle starts at 820, or 8.20 is done at 8.30. At 8.20, you start, and it's like, bam, it's off to the races, and you're done by, uh, you know, by 8.30. You know, we're not going long. We're not belaboring the point. Um, the reason why you leave a little bit of a cushion is because there's, there's a nice to have a little bit of a relational cushion at the end of those uh, you know, of those pieces. All right, number three, was it inspiring? Was it inspiring? Um, what does that mean? So every huddle, you, you did this today. This is a part of what I love about this, is you are modeling exactly what you should be doing every week in one of these 10 minutes. Uh, so this is about sharing stories. This is about re retelling the good things that are happening in your uh, ministry area. Um, the, over the last couple of years, our church got, uh, we started running Alpha. Is anyone familiar with Alpha? Uh, do you, have you guys done Alpha here? Do you do Alpha? You don't do Alpha. Um, so it's, a, it's like a, it's a ministry that is uh, designed to help people who don't follow Jesus. To, it's a place, as a church, we create a space where people who are asking questions about what it means to follow God. And it's great, super well done. Um, one of the things that they do that is fascinating is, and it's through their entire, it's literally in everything they do, is they're constantly having testimonies. They're constantly saying like, hey, we'd love to hear from people. Tell a story about what, you know, how is God working in your life? We'd love to hear more about that. And um, it might be difficult when you think about it up front to say like, man, every weekend I have to have, say, I have to have something. Every time I lead, I have to have something inspiring. I have to have some story about how our ministry is, is 
impacting other people, I got to do that at every single huddle. Can I just tell them, like, you stand here, you stand there? And the answer is no, you do. Every single weekend, you have to have something that inspires them, that says, like, wow, God is doing something great in our ministry. Now, the thing, rest assured, friends, what I can tell you is if you add this in as an expectation in your brain or on a checklist like this, what'll happen is you'll start looking for those stories. If you, if it's like, I know next weekend, I don't have, I got a story for today. I saw this thing happen last Sunday, and now I want to tell people that, and then next Sunday, I don't have nothing. I don't know what's happening. Well, I can tell you what'll happen is today, when you're leading, you will see something that'll be like, I'm going to tell people that uh, next week. Um, so find, an insp- and the best way to do this, inspiring is literally just to retell uh, you know, retell the story. I had, I'm going to tell you a story from Alpha. I was like, and I was telling these guys this story last night. We had this woman come to Alpha, and so if I was leading Alpha, I would say, hey, you know what? We, uh, last week, I'm so excited for this week. We played some sort of goofy game. Super excited for that. But last week, you know, in my group, I, we had a woman that came last Sunday at church, and we gave away Bibles. And, you know, we, because that was a part of what we were doing on Sunday, and she's also coming to Alpha, and so we gave her a Bible. And you know what she did is she she came to Alpha, and she said, you know, on Sunday, they told me to read through the book of John. And Alpha, or church is on Sunday, Alpha's on Tuesday. And you know what she did? She went home, and she read all the book of John uh, between Sunday and Tuesday, and then showed up to Alpha and was like, they didn't tell me what to do after I read the book of John. They said, just read the book of John. Now what am I supposed to do? And I had this great interaction with her. Was I was like, you know, I don't think people actually read the book of John when we tell them to read the book of John. They just, they read a few verses and then stop. But she read the entire thing. And I was like, man, that is God at work in this woman's life that she read. And so I was, got to spend time with her and said, well, you could keep going. Here's some other things you could read. Now, that's a small story uh, that if I'm in the frame of I'm looking for inspirational stories that help push people, it reinforce with that group, that group of alpha people, man, isn't it amazing that God's bringing us people who are brand new uh, to the, the journey of faith? And hey, let's look for those stories tonight. So was it inspiring? Uh, was it inspiring? All right, does that make sense? All right, next one, next slide. Was it helpful? Was it helpful? So people uh, will follow you if you solve their problems. Um, if you want to be more influential here at the church, uh, solve people's problems for them. And so uh, every week in our huddles, this is the, the like practical side of what we're doing. But don't frame what you're doing from the perspective of like you're reading off a list, like, a, you know, okay, you're going to stand here, you're going to stand there. Uh, you know, that kind of, sometimes this part of the huddle can just be, it gets degraded pretty quickly. It's just like a checklist. Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to actually help people. So we're trying, and what, what that means is we're trying to anticipate the problems. A lot of what we talked about there earlier was us not, uh, or was people's, uh, were problems that were coming in that we were, we could have anticipated. Like, um, you know, we talked about the one in, in kids ministry here and this fine young lady who I was trying to ignore um, for some reason. And, uh, you know, and, and she was saying, like, hey, I don't, I don't love it when, you know, people don't get down and actually engage with kids. Well, that's a great kind of thing to talk through ahead of time and say, you know what, if you want kids to be more engaged with you, if you, and which they would, they're in kids' ministry, think the best of them. They're not here because they want to torture children. They're here because they want the good things to happen in kids' lives. Let me show you how to engage with kids. And instead of standing up and talking down to them, you know, get down on one knee and be like, hey, little Johnny, I'm so glad you're here. Nice shirt. Or like, do you like Paw Patrol or whatever? You know, give them three questions to to ask every kid today. And you know what will happen? The fact that you have been helpful to them. You've given them a tool 
which in that case was like, get down on one knee, give them three questions they can, they can answer. And you could think of that in all of your own areas. If you did that week in, week out, people would come to the huddle and say, man, this is going to be a great experience because I'm going to learn and grow. I'm going to, I'm going to walk away with new things. You know things like that as a leader that you implicitly know, but your people don't implicitly know. They don't, that one they probably do. They're just being stubborn. Um, but, you know, they, they, I'm not stubborn, I'm just kidding. Um, they, uh, and, and so you, it, it's hard, it's difficult, because you've got to think, okay, what are the things that make someone successful in my area that I implicitly know that I need to make explicit, even if it's just reminding people. And if you hang around me long enough, you will hear me say this, that I will say to people, now you probably know this, but let me go over it one more time. Let's talk about it one more time. Because you know what that's doing? It's letting people off the hook. They probably don't know that. Like, for instance, our friends in the worship team who did not know the gratitude song by Brandon Lake, which I'm like, where have you been? You're sleeping under a rock. You have not listened to this song. And, you know, this is going to sound a little tongue-in-cheek, but you could, one way to approach that is ahead of time before we even get there, say, hey, don't forget to practice. But then in that huddle, we could talk through, hey, here as a worship leader, here are the three reasons why I find practicing ahead of time actually increases my ability to lead people today. Let's actually talk through those, uh, try to make it helpful for, uh, for them. All right? That is number four. Number five is, does everyone feel connected? Now, this is phrased specifically, do they feel connected? Not, did I do something for them to feel connected? Those are two different things. So, a part of what you've got to do, this is a qualitative thing. When you look around at the end of your huddle, as, kind of as you're done, you have to look back and say, did we actually do something that these people ended up becoming closer friends with each other? Did we play a game? Did we get a chance to talk with each other? Um, you know, did I see them make some sort of connections, um, you know, with each other? There's a, that's a qualitative question. To kind of, it's kind of hard to understand, or it's hard to, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to force, but we do have to think about it. Now, the, um, the, it's phrased like that because we want to think about it from their perspective. You want to see it from their, you know, from the, your, the people in your group. Do they, uh, would they have walked away and said, hey, I know, I know people more or I feel more relationally connected to the people in my, uh, you know, in my particular group. Some of this could be as simple as, I'm like a big fan of old school name tags. I don't know, do you guys ever do name tags here? I love the name tag thing. And a part of the reason why name tags are great is, is um, because I'm really bad at names. And, and actually writing out name tags and then like handing them to people as a leader helps me get to know people. And so I'll actually just call that out with the, the, the teams that I'm in. I'll be like, you know, why do we do name tags here? Well, we do name tags because we want people to know each other's names. But I want to give you even these kind of combine these last two. Let's talk about some ways that you could use that. So for instance, in one of the reasons why I love it as a pastor, we would actually do name tags for, and Liquid still does this. They have 1,500 seats in their main auditorium. They try to do name tags for everybody who attends, like, like all 1,500 people. Um, now, we don't end up getting that. We usually get about 60% of the room gets it. But if we're serving communion, I love it as a pastor when we would often do the, like, come to the front kind of communion. I don't know what you guys do for communion here, but, um, or if you do communion, hopefully you do communion. Um, you know, they, uh, as people came to the front, man, I loved it as a pastor being able to say, like, if I was handing out an element, like, hey, Bob, this is the body of Christ, you know, broken for you. Hey, Fred, this is the, you know, the, the blood of Jesus shed for you. Um, 
actually using the name tags, actually taking time to actually use them, reinforce with people, hey, that's why we do that. Does everyone feel uh, connected? And then finally, this one, uh, the last one, not last slide. Oh, maybe that, oh, there it is. Okay, I thought it was maybe cut off. Um, is, uh, did we pray? Now, this one, you know, you're like, of course, of course we pray, right? Like you're, but can I encourage you something on the prayer front? This is, in some environments, like on Sunday morning up here, whoever is praying up on the stage with the, everybody in the room, a part of what's going on in their brain, or might be going on, or maybe I'll say it goes on in my brain when I'm praying. I want to put this a thought on you. I'll put it on me. When I'm praying in front of everybody, a part of what's going on in my brain is I'm like, I don't know, not everyone here knows Jesus, and so I want to frame that prayer in a way that makes sense for, you know, the fact that there are people in the room that don't know Jesus. Like, I want to, you know, I want to, like, if I have guests over to my house, I want to be nice to the fact that there's guests, and that happens on a Sunday morning in the main room. Now, that's typically not the case in your small group or in your um, team. Like, they're usually, most of the people that are, they're at least aware of Jesus-y things. They're at least are, you know, have some sense of that, even if they're not fully, you know, fully deciding to follow Jesus. And this is an opportunity for us to have prayer that goes beyond a routine, uh, a Christian closing a meeting kind of prayer. You know, you've been in these kind of meetings, right? Where it's like, you're finishing the meeting, and they're like, okay, well, let's pray. And we, we're only really praying because we don't know how to end the meeting. So it's like, well, I guess this is what Christians do. We just, like, say a few words, and then we close the meeting. Um, let's try not to do that in our prayer huddles. Um, let's take a moment to actually slow down and actually connect with God in that moment and say, Lord, you know, what you're about to do here is just incredible transformation. Like, you know, whether it's we're in the parking lot team or on the, you know, if you're in guest services or you're serving in kids ministry, man, what an incredible privilege that we get a, a chance to be here and actually slow down and either pray for the guests that are coming in in a way that is, uh, you know, actually slows down and has a moment, or pray for each other just to take time and say, hey, you know what, and you could rotate through. You could say, you know, every week for the next six weeks, we're going to just take a moment and pray for one person uh, here. We want to, because we want you to be prayed for. I realize as a person who is a, for lack of a better word, a professional Christian, someone who does this all the time, I am constantly amazed at how often um, when we pray for people, uh, and I've noticed this over this last year, I've repeatedly had people say, you know, I've never had anyone pray for me before. I've never had anyone stop and pray for me, um, which is like a little sad. I'm like, oh, well, you do this all the time for people. But there's lots of people, even people on your team, who have not had someone say, hey, Tim, like, what can we pray for in your area and in your, in your life? And that will shock people a little bit, and they'll be like, what? And I'm like, no, no, Tim, like, we really would love to. Like, what, if God could show up tomorrow and change something, what would that be? And then slow down and actually pray for, uh, you know, those people. So uh, this is on the list because I, what I don't want you to do or what makes a great huddle is, is not uh, just the routine prayer, okay? Like, okay, now, okay, time's coming. It's finishing up. Okay, let's pray in Jesus' name, amen. And then we, and then we head out. And a, an effective huddle is actually a moment uh, to acknowledge before God the incredible transcendent thing that we're about to do, uh, which is serve the people that God's put in our, uh, in our path. So did we... Did we pray? All right, so those are the six areas. Super simple, no rocket science there. Thank you for listening to the Parallel Leaders Podcast. If you're looking for additional resources, tools, and conversations to move your organization forward and capture the hearts of your community, check out parallelleaders.com. And make sure to subscribe to receive each new episode as it's released. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parallel Leaders. We'll see you next time.